0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome in to Hoist the Colors. This is Stephen Igo, the publisher of HoistTheColors.net and the host of this podcast. It's a pleasure to be joined by you guys during a bye week a rare bye week for ECU football. And we're going to talk some pirate football, also talk some pirate hoops with today's guest and answer your questions as well. Let's go ahead and introduce him. He's already been on the podcast before. You read his work on HoistTheColors.net. He is our intern, our contributor, Jonathan Wagner. Jonathan, how's it going?
0: It's going pretty well. How about you?
1: You know it it's pretty relaxing to actually have some downtime during football season. I know Mike Houston has said that he would have liked for the team to have played this weekend. You know, it would have been nice to I guess prepare for a game, but I kind of I'm not I'm not mad about the break, honestly.
0: Oh yeah, I I agree with that. Um for the team, I think it would have been good to keep keep playing, but I think we deserve a break a little bit.
1: Yeah, you're, you're getting used to being a media member when you talk like that, so we are we're we always come first. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, so Jonathan Wagner, for those not familiar, he's been interning with us. Going, this is going on his second year now uh, with Hoist the Colors, and you are a senior now at ECU, correct?
0: Yes, I am. It's kind of scary to think about, but that's right.
1: Yeah, it's. I feel bad for you because, first of all, you haven't experienced any winning football. Second of all, you're dealing with this during the COVID mess, but uh maybe by next semester it'll be somewhat back to normal but i kind of doubt it but we'll see
0: yeah i'm crossing my fingers but like you said i kind of doubt it yeah i don't know when we're going to be back to normal all
1: right well let's talk about positive things before we get too down on today's show <laughs> uh we got a lot to get to on this bye week podcast we're going to talk about the first four games uh for ecu one and three record we're going to give our biggest surprise and biggest disappointment to this point for ecu football we'll also have our biggest takeaways from uh, men's basketball media day which is the season's right around the corner there uh we'll answer your questions and then we're going to have our final five games record prediction and also kind of talk about what maybe makes a successful second half of the season for east carolina whether it's wins losses progress that you can't measure wins and losses and all that sort of stuff so we'll talk about that uh first jonathan ecu just as a recap, uh, one and three after four games this year. And, you know, it's been such an interesting year with COVID. I'm, I'm honestly just glad that they've gotten four games in. And I think it's somewhat of a, a miracle they haven't had to to stop when you look compared to some of the other teams in the country in terms of COVID pauses. And uh, they obviously did have to push the Marshall game back due to that reason. And they've had their issues, uh, including the Holton Ayers deal, which I'm sure will have a question about or get into later but one and three you know if you're on the outside looking in maybe you see it as oh well, ECU's bad again this year in football but I think specifically the last two games this team has made a lot of strides when you compare the first two games and especially that Georgia State game uh, should probably be two and two right now you know they are one and three but uh, are you seeing the same progress I'm seeing thus far?
0: Yeah absolutely I think Like you said, the first couple games, UCF and Georgia State, obviously games that they could have played a lot better, um, offensively especially. But the last two weeks, I mean, South Florida, that was a great all-around team game. The offense showed up, the defense played exceptionally well. Um, And last week against Navy, I mean, I know they didn't come out with a win, um, but I thought the defense did a good job against the triple option, all things considered. I think there's a lot of good pieces on the defense that are coming along nicely. And I think, obviously, offensively, there's pieces that are starting to come together now that they're starting to play together.
1: Yeah, and the toughest thing is, you know, I really felt like the offense was starting to hit that stride and was about to take off. They played kind of a complete game against South Florida. And you really thought they maybe had something going into the Navy game. And then your quarterback, test Positive, Uh, for COVID 19, you know, whether it was a false positive or not, we could do a whole podcast on the AAC's testing policy, Jonathan. But, um, it's just frustrating that really, I think with Holton Ayler's, you win that game. And I, I know some people have said you can't guarantee that, but I really believe how Navy plays defensively that EC was still able to run the football on them despite them trying to take away the run. So, uh, Unfortunately, we'll never know. And hopefully, the 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 you know they can get Ayler's back. Which, by the way, for those who are aren't aware, he it sounds like he will be back for the Tulsa game. Uh, it probably will be cleared to play by this this weekend at the latest in the return to play protocol because he's already I think today Thursday is his 10 day mark from testing positive, which is the uh, required isolation period for uh, for players who test positive. So. I hate that for the offense, but you're right. The defense, man, the the last two weeks in particular has really looked good. They've looked good against the run. They've had some major guys, uh, you know, in terms of emergence up front. I think those guys have really emerged in a big way, and we'll talk about that with some of our biggest surprises, Um, and we're going to hit this quickly because we've got a lot of questions to get to and also some basketball to talk about, but... Let's dive into our biggest surprises, Jonathan, from the first four games. Almost a halfway point. They have five more games scheduled and a nine-game schedule. We'll see if there's another game added. But uh, biggest surprise, player or position unit or phase in terms of, you know, phase of the game to you thus
0: far through four games. Who is it? I think I'm going to go with the obvious answer here, but it's Rajay Harris. Um, we just found out. He tweeted that it's pronounced Rajay. Yeah, but we've been messing that up. G- But to me, he's really emerged back-to-back 100-yard performances against South Florida and Navy. Um, He's he's a complete running back. He looks like what the Pirates have been looking for for a few years now. And he kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't really expect him to make as much of a difference when he did. You know, he came off against Central Florida in the opening game, and he had a good day. He had a 40-yard touchdown called back would have been another 100 yard performance. But you know, South Florida, I think 150 yards and this past week he had 170 in three touchdowns total over the last two weeks. This kid is good and I think he's going to continue to be good for a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's the obvious answer. All right, and before we go any further this we got to address this uh pronunciation deal. Uh we have been calling him Raji Harris. I've been calling him Raji since his recruitment because that's how I was told at the time his name was pronounced. Uh, the coaches have been calling him Raji, Raji Harris. Uh, in his bio on ECUPirates.com, it says first name is pronounced Raji, J-E-E. In the uh, in the in the way they spell it out, how to how to pronounce it. But today he put out a video, and I'm going to play this uh, for our audience. Uh, and this is how it sounded as he is uh, hes letting everybody know how to pronounce
0: his name. So it's not Raji, Raja, or Raja. It's Rajay.
1: So not Raji, Rajai, or Rajai, but Rajay. So Rajay, Rajay Harris. I still can't get it right. I'm so used to saying Raji. Uh, Rajay Harris. I just got to say it fast, and that's I overthink it. So, Rajay Harris is your ECU's leading rusher. He's probably your biggest surprise at this point. We knew he'd be good, Jonathan, uh, but nobody thought he'd be this good. Just to be a little different, I'm going to go with somebody else and, and another player who I don't know how to pronounce Rick D'Abreu, Rick DeBrew. What, what is it? Why do these players, why can we not figure out what their pronunciation is? But either way, Rick D, he's a boss and uh he's playing like it. I think it is Rick D Abreu. It's probably wrong, but whatever. Uh he he really has uh, thrived on ECU's defensive front. He's the highest graded player per pro football focus on the entire team through four games. Uh I think he's like in the eighties and they do it on a scale of one to a hundred and they, they've got some, you know, former scouts that grade that stuff and Man, his explosiveness off the ball, 6'2", 260, and he plays kind of that three-technique defensive tackle and really has emerged. You know, I, I thought we'd see a lot more of Trevion Freshwater in that position, but thus far it's been Rick uh, Diabreu who has emerged, and, you know, if he keeps playing like that, it's going to be tough for anybody to block him, and it's going to be tough for – as he gets bigger, I think he's going to be your guy at that position. So, I've really – Really like what I've seen from uh, Rick Diabreu and, and really that whole defensive line. You know, Elijah Morris, it's hard not to say he's not the biggest surprise. Preferred walk-on defensive t- uh, defensive tackle who Mike Houston has admitted he didn't even know his name. Uh, at least we do know how to pronounce his name, Elijah Morris. Uh, without question, he's been a big surprise. So those three guys in particular have been awesome. Trent Holler on the offensive line as well. Uh, all four of those guys I think have been big surprises. A uh, Biggest disappointment player or position unit uh, Jonathan Wagner um, I think I might know where you're heading with this but I'm gonna let you answer it
0: well I'm I'm actually not sure if you know where I'm going but I'm gonna go with the wide receiver group I think they haven't necessarily been bad the last couple of weeks namely I think Tyler Snead and Blake Prole have played better after the first couple of weeks but I mean, total, I mean, Tyler Snead has 20 catches, prol has 19, and then I think your biggest disappointment to me is C.J. Johnson. Seven receptions for 166 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he's He's got the most touchdowns on the team, receiving-wise, but he's just not been a factor in a lot of the games. Um, and the coaches have talked a lot about him in press conferences, both post-game and weekly, but... Teams are game planning to f- play physical on him, get inside his head, and I think it's working.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things. He's, you know, he gets so much attention, I do think it gets in his head sometimes. and we, He has the most drops on the team thus far through four games. Uh, and he's got so much potential. I think maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself because of all the hype. And th- the thing with Sneed and Pro is, I feel like when their number has been called, they've produced, but they're... I don't know if they're not getting enough separation, or the targets just aren't there. You know, they do lead the team in targets, both of them do. But it just seems like we haven't seen that game where everything clicks for all three of those guys, or for at least two of them. You know, I know Pearl and uh, Sneed had some big performances uh, early in the year uh, in one of the games, but it just seems like we haven't seen that game where Holton Ayers throws for 350 yards. And maybe it's coming, but it's hard to disagree with you. Uh, I thought you were going to go in the Uh, direction of uh, one of your former bold predictions, uh, Chase Hayden, (laughs) who you did uh, predict (laughs) at one point would, what, have 80 yards? Uh, I
0: think I said 70 yards, and he would lead the ECU backfield.
1: Well, (laughs) that was the game that I don't think he got a carry. But an ECU running back did step up that day, and it was Rajay Harris uh, who stepped up and led the way, and Chase Hayden left the team. And I'm gonna be frank here. He, uh, you know, it's it's officially an opt out, but he he quit the team because he wasn't gonna play or he wasn't playing. And uh, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is, if he would have stayed with it, he would have played against uh, Navy because they were down Penix and Demetrius Mooney due to contact tracing. Uh, and I, I honestly thought he looked pretty good when he was in there. It's not like he did bad, but if you're not gonna be willing to work for your spot on Mike Houston's team, you're not gonna last too long. And clearly. He was not happy with the playing time, and I get it. He came in as a transfer from Arkansas. I'm sure that he was promised a lot of playing time or, or at least the op- opportunity for playing time, but you got to come out and you got to earn it. And I, I thought he did look good, but uh, clearly was not bought into the team if he's going to leave after three games. The one game he didn't get any carries. Uh, so Chase Hayden, for me, my biggest disappointment. Also, Nigel not in that same uh, realm, grad transfer from Alabama – we haven't even seen him. Actually, I've seen him on the sidelines. He he has been getting the – I will give him credit for this. He's been getting the team hype as part of the hype team. Like, he is Mr. Uh, wave the towel, jump up and down. I'm not sure what his deal is, if it's injury-related or what, but he's yet to really practice or play. So, those two transfers, you know, you know you know, transfers are always kind of hit or miss. To this point, they've been misses. I don't expect Chase Hayden to return. Nigel or not, we'll see, but I'm kind of doubtful that he'll ever play here uh maybe he'll prove me wrong uh the the good news is the line transfers uh justin chase Avery jones and, and uh chris willis have all been good so uh you've hit on three or five transfers to this point so that's a win in my book um so that's kind of my biggest disappointments uh you know receiver position is kind of where i was going as well before uh before you mentioned that jonathan but overall i really don't think there's too many disappointments i think this the defense has exceeded my expectations overall and just a lot to be excited about, I think, this second half of the year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, the defense, I don't really know that I had very high expectations for this year. But like you said, they've exceeded any expectations I did have. I thought that the offense was going to carry this team, and really it's been the other way around. So I think you mentioned a lot of guys who have kind of emerged, and we didn't even mention guys like Sean Dorso or jairo Wilson who have really been really good for this defense this year. Blake Harrell's done a great job. I'm really excited to see what he can do for the rest of the year and for years moving forward too. All
1: right, we're going to get back to, uh, to football, uh, but let's talk some pirate basketball first. Uh, we are basically a month away from the start of the season. We're recording this on Thursday, October 22nd. The season starts November 25th. Uh, ECU is expected to play in the Florida tournament. I don't even know the name of it. I think the some type of uh, whatever. It doesn't even matter. It's the Florida tournament with a bunch of average teams that they need to win some games. And uh, it is in Fort Myers. Um, and it's there's been a weird deal where some of those teams have dropped out because of travel restrictions. Some of them from another tournament in the area have been added. So it's kind of fluid, but it sounds like ECU will play in that tournament. They'll also play, they'll probably play three games in that tournament, then play four games at home in non-conference play, and then play 20 games uh, in American Athletic Conference play. So you're looking at a 27-game schedule. Uh, we, we got the opportunity on Media Day to talk with Joe Dooley, the head coach, and then also players Jaden Gardner, Brandon Suggs, Tristan Newton, and Noah Farrakhan. Uh, Jonathan, did you have any big takeaways, whether it be interview-related or just information that you kind of gathered from media? To...
0: For me, it would be something that Joe Dooley said, and it was about Charles Coleman. I think he talked about last year, you know, Coleman was really the only big man that was healthy. So you might think, oh, he's getting a lot of playing time, but I look beyond that, and he's the only big man he can practice against. I think this year, having Luigi Debao back and – multiple more big guys that are going to be coming in. I think he's going to have a lot more competition with other big men in practice, which I think is going to help him long-term both on and off the court. So I think Charles Coleman's going to have a big year. I think he was good towards the end of last year, but I think just having that extra competition against true big men in practice is really going to play well for him.
1: Yeah, getting Luigi back I think is going to help a lot. He's a guy that, you know, was slated – he started the first few games last year and then he uh, injured his foot. He probably could have played through the injury, but they elected to go ahead and have surgery to uh, to calm it down and get a, him a redshirt year and get him fully healthy. I think him and Coleman are going to play a lot. The other two big guys you mentioned, you know, Derek Kwanzaa, the freshman, 6'11", uh, tremendous athlete, you know, really still learning how to play the game. And then Edra Luster, who's kind of more of a face-up big, but has added a bunch of weight. So, I mean, you got four guys in the 6'11", foot range. So, they'll be able to practice against each other. I think that's a big benefit, like you said, because they didn't have Kwanzaa last year. Luster was hurt some of the year, and then Luigi was hurt the whole year. So, Coleman with Toms was practicing against, uh, basically, Batuma Baruti, who's 6'7". And, um, so, I do think that'll help. You know, the biggest takeaway I had was and I don't want to get too, I don't want to put too too much uh, expectations on this kid, but the way Dooley talked about Noah Farrakhan in terms of, you know, we all know he has raw talent, but Dooley basically made it sound like he's the fastest point guard, the quickest point guard, most explosive point guard he's seen in a while, I believe was his uh, phrase. And Dooley really does not hand out that much praise to young guys unless they earn it or at least show it and prove it. And we know he's been at Kansas. We know he's been at Florida Gulf Coast around guys like Brandon Gilbin, who's in the NBA now, who was a point guard there. Uh, So he knows a good point guard when he sees one. And for him to throw that praise out to Farrakhan, I think shows that he's got legit high upside, maybe even pro potential down the line. Now, the thing I've heard with Noah is extremely athletic, extremely gifted, but maturity he has got to continue to mature. And I think as he goes through the American Athletic Conference year one, that's something we will see, uh, and I'm re- I'm really interested to see how they how they dole out the point guard minutes. You're looking at Traymont Robinson, Tristan Newton, and Noah Farrakhan. That's three pretty good point guards. We know that Newton can play off the ball, but he got downhill at a high rate last year when the ball was in his hands, so I'm excited to see those three guys, how they kind of dole it out, and then Jonathan, you had an article on Jaden Gardner and uh, kind of how he's planning to round out his game, and for anybody who wants to check that out, go to hoistacolors.net, but um what did you think of of Jaden? he's clearly working on his shot and doing some different things and and he's been awesome but it sounds like he can get even better
0: right i mean Jaden talked about it a lot he said all he's done is shoot he shot the ball he's tried to extend his range he said that i mean part of coming with extending your range is trying to get used to you know your mid-range shot again because when you extend your range you're getting stronger when you go and take a mid-range shot, you might be too long on it. And he said he's working on his shot a lot. Um, He said they're going in, which is good. I think they need that from him. Um, And Dooley mentioned his defensive game as well and communicating. He needs to – he's playing the forward position, so Dooley said a lot of the play is going to be in front of him, so Gardner needs to be better communicating to the rest of the defense of what's coming because he can see everything that's happening on the court. And – they seem optimistic that he's doing well, and I think it's hard to say that he's going to take the next step because he's been so good already, but I really think that if there is a next step to take, that he's going to be ready to do it.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe that he could be even better than what he is. I, I remember that Houston game last year where he stepped out and hit some threes and was doing everything. Like If, if he gets to the point where he's even you, – you wrote it, you know, he's only a 20% career three-point shooter – If he even gets into the high 20s or the 30% range at all, like that, I mean, he's an NBA-level prospect. So uh, I hope it happens for him. You know, as long as he continues to do what he does, though, I think he'll be fine as long as the guys around him pick it up. You know, we didn't talk a, a lot about J.J. Miles at Media Day, but I think he's a crucial part of this season. He shot the ball well last year down the stretch. Tyree Jackson had that huge cold stretch where he missed like 28 consecutive threes or something. Which plummeted his average, but he's a, he can be a decent three-point shooter. Uh, Treymont Robinson White and and Batumba Baruti are two guys who shot it well below their career averages coming from JUCO, so they just got to shoot the ball better. I think that's the key because they got size, they they have length defensively. I think if they can shoot it, they can surprise people. But that's uh, easier said than done. We'll see. Um, but uh, I think overall, a lot to to take away, and I think it helps. Jonathan, you can weigh in on this. In a year with COVID and where things are weird, ECU to have basically all the scoring back, 11 scholarship players back, how much does it help that familiarity just in terms of you're going to have teams that maybe didn't get the chance to practice together or be around each other as much this offseason, whereas ECU pretty much knows exactly what it has?
0: I think that's huge. I mean, you look at football right now, and all across the country there's multiple – programs that are going through you know an entire position group just being completely depleted playing third third teamers and you look at the basketball team bringing back everyone they've played together already for a year like a year like you said and I think that's going to be key I mean let's let's be honest we're, we're not going to go through a whole year without a COVID situation so I think having you mentioned a whole bunch of guards they have four or five guards true guards that can play and have all played together and have all started at times last year outside of Noah Farrakhan obviously as a freshman but you know Tristan Newton Tyree Jackson Robinson White J.J. Miles they have a lot of guys that have both not even just experience in general but starting experience and experience coming off the bench so I think this year they're going to take that next step together because like you said they are very familiar with each other
1: yeah, very excited about basketball season, and we'll see what the the process is as far as our media coverage for that once we get closer to the season and, and what the fan attendance will be like. We'll keep you up to date on hoistthecolors.net. All right, we're going to take your questions next. First, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors. We'll be back on the other side. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: All right, welcome back to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Jonathan Wagner is with me. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the show. All right, let's dive into your questions on the Hoist the Colors message board. Got a few from our members. Uh, Pat72JG asks Who are some kids that we might sit well with in regards to replacing Dre Watson? So, good question. Um, for those that aren't familiar with the name Dre Watson, he was a decommitment uh, that was committed to ECU from uh, Moravian Prep originally and then decided to reopen his recruitment. He's at Bull City Prep now, another um, prep school. And from what I understand, uh, talking to some sources, ECU will continue to recruit Dre, and uh, they think they're still in it. I think Dre is just getting some advice to open his recruitment, and let's be honest, he's hearing from Cincinnati, Memphis, and Texas, and some other big schools, so he wants to continue to, to hear those guys out. So ECU will continue to recruit Uh, Him, you know, I think it's kind of a fluid situation now because you got one spot left in this class, whether Dre ends up retaking it or not. And uh, you would like to add an athletic big man. And he he was kind of going to be, you know, not some stick in the post. He was going to be a guy that moved all over the court and did a lot of things. So that's not an easy player to replace. You know, there's a guy, a four star, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, Kalel Modling, I think is how you somewhat pronounce it. Who has ECU in his top schools? Who the Pirates are continuing to recruit. I don't know if he's quite athletic enough to fill the Watson void. Uh, you've also got a guy in in-state, uh, B.J. Uh, Freeman from Clayton, who's a similar type of player, not quite as big. Who ECU could turn to? Uh, Jalen McDonald's another wing in state, who's a similar type of player. So you got some guys on the board uh, regionally that could fit, or you could wait till the spring and try and see if any guys emerge late, but then you get in the danger of other schools doing the same thing, and it's always hard to sign quality players in the spring. So uh, it's still very early on in that process, but I think, you know, B.J. Freeman's a guy to keep an eye on specifically in that type of role going forward. All right, uh, Bubba Pirate asks, maybe this could be a VIP post rather than a podcast thing, but could you update us on what the staff is doing recruiting-wise during the bye week? Uh, well, Bubba, you know, they've sent out some new offers to, I assume he's talking football, obviously, because of the bye week, but uh, they've sent out some new offers to some Juco linemen who we had a story on today on net. The biggest thing, for, from what I'm hearing, is Juco offensive linemen, Juco defensive backs, because those are two positions where they need to add depth and continue to... Uh, bolster the roster with in terms of upperclassmen talent so that's kind of what they're looking at and a lot of these juco's if you get them in in the spring they'll have three years of eligibility remaining because they don't play till the spring so those are some of the positions and you can read more specifically on hoist the colors and from the high school ranks they're still looking for uh, edge rushers so there's a kid out of South Carolina Elijah Davis they really like who we'll, we'll have an update with soon on uh, net. All right, our next question, Berg Pirate. How did Tulsa's lines compare to UCF? Is there a QB, a threat to run when we blitz? Um, well, Tulsa is the real deal, Jonathan. I, I, you didn't cover last year's Tulsa game with me, but I, I think you watched it. So uh, they uh, they've got a team that really is probably the top half of the league in terms of talent, and on the lines, they did lose a couple guys, but really have, really have some talent, and, you know, I think that it's going to be a challenge for ECU, probably the best lines they've faced since the UCF game. Um, the quarterback, he's more of a pocket guy. Zach Smith, the Baylor transfer, uh, but a big-time player who lit up ECU last year. They were just able to do whatever they wanted versus ECU last year, and I think uh, this will be a very motivated game for ECU, similar to Navy, and that they were kind of embarrassed to close the year. Um, Jonathan, what are you looking for when you see this game? I mean, Tulsa is going to be the favorite, and we'll get more into this as we talk about the second half of the year, but um, what are you hoping to see after a bye week and, a, and maybe a chance for ECU to steal a game here?
0: Well, I think that hopefully getting Hol- Holt Naylor's back in there will kind of give that offense an additional boost. I don't think that Mason was – too bad last week, all things considered, but we talked about it earlier, but if Holton can really come back and pick up where he left off against USF, then I think this offense really can keep this team in the game. I mean, Tulsa did beat UCF earlier in the year. So like you said, they're a very good team. They're a very talented team, but I think they need to, ECU needs to come out confident that they can play in this game. And I think if the offense can keep going and just put points up and the defense can continue, then I think it's a – it could be a close game. But I think, like you said, Tulsa is obviously going to be favored.
1: Yeah, they really could be 2-0 and right now with wins over UCF and Oklahoma State. Uh, so we'll see how they do against USF uh, Friday. Uh, next question, straw369 asks, where do we see Demetrius Mooney fitting in with the running back rotation when he finally returns? um Jonathan, I'll let you start this one off. Demetrius Mooney, I know we're both high on him, led the team in rushing last year. Kind of what's your thoughts on his return?
0: Well, I think that Rajay Harris, I think as a freshman, he's capable of getting 20 carries a game. But I think as the season goes on, he's, he's going to start feeling it. And I think they're going to have to start kind of spreading out the wealth a little bit when it comes to carries. I think Keaton Mitchell's done a good job. I think Penix is probably more of a blocker and a short yardage guy at this point. But Mooney, I think he's kind of a, a, an all-around back. And I think that he can be a nice complement to Mitchell and Harris in the backfield. So I think you get Mooney back in there, I think he's a guy who can come in and take 10 carries a game. He's obviously not going to get the work that he did last year, but I think he's still going to be very serviceable and should it come to it, I think he's obviously going to be capable of carrying the load, and I think that's going to be big for the entire backfield, just knowing that they have him back.
1: Yeah, still five games less left. You're going to have games probably where some of these backs miss, either due to injury um, or COVID, whatever. I mean, we just saw it with Penix and Mooney, where you really needed another back, and Hayden wasn't there because he left the team. Mitchell from what I understand really played that game banged up and even Harris was a little slow to start the week so yeah as they get more carries as freshmen they're gonna need guys to spell uh spell them with so I think Mooney will actually see a lot of a lot of work the second half of the year uh assuming that he gets out of this contact tracing deal and can work his way back that's the problem he I think he's been in contact tracing or evolved with COVID now like twice and uh so that, that's that got to be frustrating. It's been a frustrating year for, uh, for Mooney, but still an extremely young guy. Um, ECU Salty Dog asked, The last few weeks, by circumstance, we've seen Harry, Harris, Raj, Rajay Harris, carry the ball around 20 times a game. Well, wow, this is what we just talked about. <laughs> Do you think that trend continues with Penix and Mooney probably coming back into the fold for the Tulsa game? I think that is a good amount of carries for Harris, a back that is tough to tackle and seems to get better with more opportunities. What would you say is the ideal breakdown for carries to get the most out of our running back room? Um. All right, so Harris, I'm trying to think. What is about the average of carries? Probably around 30, maybe a little over 30, depending on how well ECU's running it. Um. You know, I'd say ideal would be Harris, like 17 to 20, depending on the flow of the game. Mitchell five to seven. And then either Mooney or Penix get those final last few carries. And this is assuming everybody's healthy. You know, I think I want to see Mitchell catch the ball more. He has been extremely good in the flats and making those catches and getting on the edges. So maybe not as many carries for Mitchell or whatever, if he's a little banged up, maybe get him on the edges more. I think Mooney can get some more carries, and then Penix either short yardage or also catch the ball on the perimeter. He's got three catches; two of them have gone for touchdowns. Or no, he's got three targets, two catches, which both have gone for touchdowns. So uh, he's been him and Mitchell have been efficient in the passing game. How would you like to see that breakdown? I know you just kind of touched on it, Jonathan, but how would you see it?
0: Right, I think I think I mentioned it to you against the against Central Florida in the opening game. I said I want to see like designed pass plays for Keaton Mitchell whether he's catching the ball out of the backfield or, you know, he could even line up in a slot. I think he's fast enough to do that. You play him in a slot opposite of Tyler Snead. I think that could be really hard to guard. So I think I'd 100% be a fan of Keaton Mitchell getting more work in the passing game. Um, Harris, I think, like you said, 17 to 20 is probably a fair number. I think later in the year we might see that drop closer to the, a 15 to 17 obviously depending because i think he's going to get beat up a little bit but yeah i think mooney can come in and i think he's versatile too he can kind of do whatever they need him to If they need him to go catch out of the backfield he can do it if they need him to go carry the ball 15 times a game he can do it so i think it's just going to be working with what they have and going against matchups
1: i think those four guys they when they're on the field they sit in a pretty good spot in the running back room and you know trace christian's not bad insurance as a fifth guy if they need him he's been playing some special teams so we'll see if he gets any work throughout the year uh ecu jackie moon asks, were you surprised by the watson decommitment what did you hear regarding it you know i kind of touched on this earlier but yeah i was surprised uh you know i've actually texted back and forth a lot with dre and he seemed very high on east carolina but just wanted to you know explore his options and um you know obviously as a person who covers ECU you would like to see him stick with ECU but I I can't blame a kid who you know didn't get the full recruiting process and everything for at least exploring his options or whatnot you know you can get into the whole argument of well then don't commit if you're going to do that but you know these kids get different advices he's already gone to all these different schools so I'm sure he's got a lot of people in his ear we'll see how it plays out but um I just think he's getting a lot of different advice and trying to do the best thing for himself, which is not easy at that age. Uh, Jackie Moon also asked, what changes do you think we are most likely to see coming out of the bye week? Um, You know, for me, I want to see, and I think Mike Houston has kind of alluded, alluded to this in interviews, and we touched on it earlier, the passing game, we just haven't seen it click yet, and a lot of that has been due to, Uh, Holton being out last game obviously but also just due to the inconsistencies at quarterback protection and at wide receiver so I think there's a lot a lot more plays to be made in the passing game. In my opinion we haven't seen the tight end used enough in the passing game. We still haven't seen Josiah Hatfield. He only had two snaps last game. I don't know if he re-injured something or what but Uh, I still think there were some more plays to be had in the passing game, and that's where I think they'll make the most adjustments once they get Holton back coming out of the bye. What do you think, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, you kind of said what I was looking to say. Um, I think we could see the tight ends get a little more involved. Shane Calhoun, I think, is the leader right now amongst tight ends with three catches, 62 yards, but pretty much zero involvement in the passing game from the tight ends this year. I'm a fan of Calhoun. I think he can be an impact guy down the road Um, and I just think we we've talked about it a lot but just finding different formations different ways to get guys like CJ Johnson involved whether they have to line them up in the slot or they gotta just get motions going and find different matchups for them I think that's going to be a real emphasis and I think we're going to see that immediately coming out of the bye
1: yeah I think we'll see some maybe some younger guys on both sides of the ball get to play as well Uh, which we'll get into a little later. Uh, Jackie Moon also asked, who takes over the basketball strength and conditioning after losing the main coach for it? Uh, Yeah, the former coach went to Georgia State. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know who's taking over. I'll try to find out and get back to you, Jackie Moon. And uh, he also asked, uh, where do we stand on Hoist the Colors T-shirts? We stand right now. (laughs) There's nothing in the works. Uh, maybe after the season I'll try to put something together. You know, the problem is we just got the new logo. I've got some old Hoist of Colors t-shirts that I need to get rid of. If you want one, let me know, and I'll uh, I'll send them your way. I got some in the attic, uh, which I'm sure your boy Joe Myanzic has one, Jackie Moon, so hit him up. He's got some extra ones. But, uh, no, nah, I'll uh, I'll get back to you all on Hoist of Colors t-shirts. Hopefully after the season we'll have something. Uh, he also asks, you get – you get to have a night out in the town with one coach from men's basketball and one coach from football. Who do you pick and why? Hmm. Now this is interesting. Uh, men's basketball. You know, I've talked to Joe Dooley a lot. I've talked to Steve Rockford a lot. I haven't gotten to know Antoine Jackson or George Wright Easy that well but I'm still picking Steve Rocker for it because that dude just seems like a guy that you want to have a night out in the town with Uh football. Mike Houston seems like a pretty straight, straight cut, straight edge dude. I feel like he wouldn't act up too much, man. Maybe Donnie Kirkpatrick at his age. He seems like a, a ball of fire. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Do you got any ideas?
0: I think coach rock is the obvious answer for basketball. Um, for me, football, I'm going to go with Blake Harrell. Okay. Through there our Zooms with him in our press conferences, he just seems like a pretty good dude. I feel like he could be pretty fun to go out with um, some night. So I'd go with Harrell. I think he'd be a good guy to hang out with.
1: Get him away from his uh, his wife and, and all the girls at his house. <laughs> Maybe he'll, uh, he'll loosen up a little bit. But, yeah, he seems like a good dude. The whole staff seems good, so hard to go wrong there. Uh, ECU. Uh, Cetera, this is another one I need a pronunciation guide on because I always mess it up. Gut feeling on seniors that would return next year in football. You know, this is a tough one because I don't know each of their academic situations. Like, are they going to graduate and then move on? Um, I know Omotosho wants to come back for another year and he's in that grad student role. Um, but he actually had another year available before all of this. You know, the, the most interesting names to me are, are like a Bruce Bivens and Aaron Ramsor. Are they going to want to come back? You know, Ramsor's already been in the program. This is his fifth year. Uh, Bruce Bivens, this is his fourth year. So I could see him wanting to come back, depending on what happens. Um, offensive line guys, you got like Fernando Fry, Sean Bailey, who are both in their fifth or sixth years in college football. Maybe they want to move on. It's just, I don't have the roster put up in front of me as we do this, Jonathan. I don't know if you do, but. Do you do you do any guys come to mind as far as maybe wanting to come back uh as seniors?
0: Uh I don't have it pulled up either, but I think you mentioned Aaron Ramsor. I think he's really come on strong the last couple of weeks. So I think if he can continue to play the level he has the last two weeks, then he's definitely a guy that I could see coming back. Um but yeah, you mentioned a couple of the offensive line guys, I think. I'm really not sure with them, but we'll see. I guess.
1: Yeah, that's just something that, you know, it's hard with each situation is different. Tank Robinson's another one who's a, he's a true senior. He never redshirted. Maybe he wants to come back. And then also you have to understand maybe some of these guys if they have another year of eligibility and they're not playing a lot, maybe they want to transfer down and go somewhere they want to play. So there's just a lot that'll go into that. But I don't really have a gut feel either way. I feel like maybe towards the end of the season I'll have a better feel um purple hook says who are some of the players that you expect to emerge and have a bigger role the latter half of the year um you know i had a post on this on hoisted colors earlier i think you'll see a number of the young defensive linemen get more playing time like a travion Freshwater. uh you know jvn mccray who's a freshman uh eric doctor a freshman linebacker sean tucker freshman corner trent holler who's been playing a lot on the offensive line already i could see him be a starter on the offensive front by the end of the year. Um, you know, th- there's Tazi Hudson at wide receiver. I think they want to get him involved from what I've heard. So, if he has a good week of practice this week, I could see him getting some reps at receiver. Uh, any young guys, Jonathan, that, that you're looking forward to or that, that you've seen?
0: Um, You just mentioned Hatfield. Yeah. When we talked to Donnie Kirkpatrick a couple weeks ago, he was really excited for him to come back, bring his speed back into the slot. Um, to kind of pair with Tyler Snead so I think that if he can stay healthy and really get going on the field that that could add another element kind of another deep threat type of guy to the offense so I think he's someone I could see playing a big role we mentioned the tight ends and Demetrius Mooney obviously
1: yeah those are some guys to watch out for and our final question which will go with our uh our final segment in the show here K-Gun says, how do you project the last five ga- five games playing out? Well, that's a great question, K-Gun, because we are about to project the last five games. Because we always nail our predictions, Jonathan, and you always nail your bold predictions. So, uh, All right, so these five games are pulling up the schedule now. ECU sitting at 1-3. and three. Uh, At Tulsa on October 30th, Friday, uh, Friday night game, Tulane at home, at Cincinnati, at Temple. And then SMU, and uh, we'll go. I tell you, we'll go through each one of these and predict a winner or loss. I'm just gonna say off the off the hoof. Not seeing a whole lot of wins here, but <laughs> but if this team plays like they had the last two games, I think they can win some of these games. But this is just a brutal schedule. Uh, so so let's dive into it, Jonathan. At Tulsa, uh, the Golden Hurricane have only played two games at this point. They'll have three in their book in, in their hats by tomorrow night. Probably a win over South Florida, but it's a road game, so you never know. Uh, Tulsa, Friday night before Halloween.
0: What do you think? Well, before I get into it, like you said, I don't have a good track record with predictions. Yeah, so Predicting. probably
1: everything we pick, just uh, just take the opposite.
0: Yeah, I mean, you think I picked Chase Hayden and got zero carries. I picked a tight end to break out, had zero catches combined. So, <laughs> But going back to Tulsa, not only is it the night before Halloween, on the road, Tough game, but it's a 9 p.m. game too. So, I don't know how that's going to affect the team with a really late start. But for me, I I, I don't see it. I'm going to pick a Tulsa win there.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. I think this game will be much closer than last year, but I think Tulsa's too good. Uh, I think they really are that good and will compete for the top of the conference. I don't think they'll win it, but I think they're good enough to compete for it. So I'm going Tulsa at home in a close one. I think I think this will be similar to Navy in that ECU is going to have this game circled because I think they were embarrassed by how last year ended at home. So I think they'll be very motivated, and I wouldn't be shocked if they won, but I, I'm not going to pick it. Uh, that would drop them to to 1-4. And, uh, and then they come home to face Tulane on a Saturday on November 7th. And, uh, Jonathan, how do you feel about the green wave coming to town?
0: I think – first, you look at that game, they have – the ECU has an extra day of rest as well coming off of a Friday night game. Um, That's another tough one. I mean, I think that's a very winnable game. But I also look at Tulane and and their losses to Navy and SMU. They lost by a combined six points. So, they're competitive – that's a game I want to say that ECU will win, but I think I'm going to go with a two-lane loss, although I'm very reluctant. Or two-lane wins, sorry.
1: So I lost to Tulane. You've got ECU going 1-5. and five. Tulane is a weird team, man. I Willie Fritz is a hell of a coach. Uh, he's done a great job there. But I think ECU, I think they'll be close versus Navy, Obviously they were, and it'd be close first Tulsa, and then they'll break through with the win over Tulane, and get to two and four. I don't think it'll be a program-changing win because ECU historically has had a lot of success against Tulane, but they've still Tulane still beat ECU the last two times they played, so it would be a big win. And Willie Fritz is I think fourth or fifth year there, and Mike Houston's second year here. So I give him a close win, but uh, I don't. You know that's far from a guarantee. Tulane probably will be favored in that game unless ECU plays really well at Tulsa. So, uh, and then the following week, short turnaround at Cincinnati, which is ranked, I think, in the top 10 right now on a Friday night, ESPN 2, 7.30 kickoff. Much better than 9 o'clock, but still a tough road trip. I think we both know we're, we're picking this one.
0: Tough game, short day of rest, short a day, as opposed to an extra day last week, but – Cincinnati, they've given up 37 total points. I can't can't pick ECU. I don't think it's going to be as close as last year, personally. I think Cincinnati's a lot better, which is hard to say. (laughs) But I think Cincinnati's a really good team. I I can't see ECU winning that one.
1: Yeah, on the road, it's going to be cold. It's going to be tough. Uh, Maybe ECU plays with confidence because they played them close last year. But I think that can also work against ECU in that Cincinnati's defense, which is very good, is going to remember giving up 535 passing yards to Holton Aylers, and I think they play a good game. I think Cincinnati wins this one. Uh, that, for me, drops ECU to 2-5. and five. You've got them at 1-6 and six, uh, to this point. Uh, and then another tough road game the following week, Jonathan, at Temple. ECU has never beaten Temple in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, another game that's going to be extremely cold, November 21st in philadelphia what's uh what's your take on this game
0: call me crazy but i think this is the one i'm gonna say they win i was when i was looking at it before i was kind of trying to get my predictions in order but temple's one and one right now close loss to navy close win over south florida i i think that's going to be one of those late season games they're going to be coming off of another extra day of rest after the friday night cincinnati game um Hmm. But I think, at the very least, I think it's going to be a lot closer than it has been in years past. But I don't know what it is. Just my gut kind of told me to pick an ECU win there. So that's what I'm going with.
1: Yeah, I think this is the year – I I do this every year and I always regret it. And I did not pick ECU over Temple in any of my preseason predictions for this very reason. Because I always pick ECU to beat Temple and I always regret it. But this is the year, folks, that ECU beats Temple in Philly – And they're not just going to beat them. They are going to rout them on the road because ECU, I think, is trending up, Temple trending down. Uh, And uh, I'm going to give the Pirates the win. I probably will regret this, but oh well. I'm taking the Pirates. And that moves them in my pick to three and five. And you've got them at two and six. Right. And then we'll wrap it up. Uh, SMU at home, November 28th. A game that last year ECU could have won on the road on the road in Dallas uh, came up short in a very competitive game. Um, SMU right now undefeated. What do you think about the Mustangs coming to town?
0: I think they are very very good. I like I said with Cincinnati, we played them we played them very well last year. But to me, I think SMU is going to win the conference personally. Um, Bold yeah um so now they definitely won't win the conference right (laughs) but i mean when i wrote when i wrote down a note i my only note was they look really good loss so i just i don't i don't see it in the last game of the season potentially i guess we don't really know that for sure but i i can't pick ecu in that game
1: all right so you got them finishing at two and seven i've got a really weird feeling about this game jonathan I don't know if I'm going to pick it. I can't pick it. I'm picking SMU to win. <laughs> but SMU is coming to – I think a lot of it has to do with where SMU is in, in the conference standings. If they have a lot to play for this game, I think you get SMU's best shot. Let's say they're, what, 6-2 and two and they they don't have a chance to win the championship and they're coming to Greenville, North Carolina for the post-Thanksgiving game in front of 3,500 people. I don't think you're going to get SMU's best shot on a cold, wintry day in Greenville versus Dallas, and I think ECU could win this game. But because I do think SMU plays a pretty finesse style of football, and Mike Houston has his team going physical, and I think that's something they could struggle with. But all that said, I'm still taking SMU. It's a safe pick, and I've already taken one dumb pick by picking ECU over Temple. So I'm going to leave it there. I've got the Pirates finishing 3-6. and six. Jonathan, you've got them at 2-7. and seven. And before we get out of here, honestly, I'm not too wrapped up in the wins or losses this second half of the year, and I don't think anybody should be, and I know that at the end of the day, they keep scoring. It's important, but to me, it's all about the process, and I said this from the beginning of the season. I want to see these young guys continue to get better and the culture continue to be established. Next year is a year I'm measuring true progress off wins and losses. How do you feel about that? What do you really want to see this second half of the year to, to make you feel good about the future of the program?
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, Next year is the year where I think it's better to judge based off purely wins. But this year, I think the team needs to stay bought in. I think it's really tough this year with obviously COVID stuff going on. And we're going to have more situations down the road. It's inevitable. So I think just staying bought in, um, staying committed and not giving up, and especially if you're a guy who's not really playing that much right now. We talked a lot about guys who could step up in the second half, but the team's going to need depth as we get into these tough Cincinnati, Temple, SMU games. We're going to need depth. And if these younger guys who maybe aren't playing right now aren't bought in when we get to that point of the year, then those games are going to be a lot worse than I guess, than I predicted. So,
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is I, I want to see these games be competitive, and I want to see ECU – get over the hump and win some of these games you know if they finish three and six with wins over USF Temple and Tulane that's a step in the right direction that's three conference wins that they haven't had since 2015 even in a shortened year uh so that would be a big step now if you could if you could win a Tulsa Cincinnati or SMU then that's a that's a signature win that Mike Houston has been looking for one that they were close to getting last year so I certainly won't rule it out I think this staff is legit they can outcoach other staffs at times and, uh, if the players can pull off some amazing plays. Maybe they can do it. So we'll see a lot to look forward to. And, and I think pirate nation is looking forward to the second half of the year. We'll see how it plays out. All right, Jonathan, we we'll, that'll do it for our show. Again, thanks for, for joining us, man. And, um, I think a lot to look forward to, to going forward. We'll get you back on the program again, of course, but, uh, appreciate your time on, on, on today's program.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Um, Looking forward to the rest of the year. Looking forward to basketball season getting started and just having more stuff to bring out to the fans.
1: Yeah, should be fun. That is Jonathan Wagner. I'm Stephen Igo. You've been listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll talk to you next week before ECU and Tulsa.
0: with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show. Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right out to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.